they're still lying to you about pretty much everything. Let's talk about it on this special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and the Deep State and lets you in the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 355 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show for Wednesday, March 1st, 2023. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I mean, when you think about it, do you think that 81 million people gave this guy their vote? She, she was very specific recently saying that a mom, a poor mother who lost two kids to fentanyl, that I, that I killed her sons. Well, the interesting thing is that fentanyl they took came during the last administration. <laughs> He's laughing at a mother who lost two sons to fentanyl. Do you think, do you think that the voters of America gave that guy 13 million more votes than Obama got the first time around? Come on. All right, let me go back to my opening monologue, but I, I just had to get that off my chest. I will never pretend a man can become a woman. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Speaking of which, do you hear what Hershey's did? Yeah, Hershey's has jumped on the candy bar. Hershey's has jumped on the uh, the transgender bandwagon. Did you hear about this? Yep, here it is. My name is Faye Johnstone. I'm the executive director of Wisdom to Action. We can create a world where everyone is able to live in public space as their honest and authentic selves. See the woman changing how we see the future at Hershey's Canada. That's a guy. He's not a woman. They're lying to you. They're lying to you. Corporate America is lying to you saying that if a guy decides he wants to be a gal, uh, that's fine. Hershey's. Now, I'm not a big uh, chocolate bar guy anyway, but I think you'd do the math on that one. Anyway, but I digress. Here I am trying to do my, uh, my opening monologue, and I keep on saying things that remind me of other things. And I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. On August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com. Click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. And make sure you check out our new conservative sports podcast, 
Red Pill Sports with my friend Donnie Copeland. It drops Tuesday evenings at 11 p.m. Central. All right, now, did you know that Dr. Anthony Fauci was not in charge of the federal government's COVID response. Did you have any idea that Fauci was not the person in charge? Dr. Deborah Burks was. Well, who appointed her? Not President Trump. Nope. Nope. No, the uh, Deputy National Security Advisor, who'd spent a lot of time in China, and I mean a lot of time in China. So, Deborah Burks is now out going for a Nobel Prize in irony, I guess. Did you hear what she just said? Yeah, and I think that's, you see that throughout this pandemic, that we have vilified individuals who had real questions about the science and the data. I'm glad she said we, because yes, you did. You and Fauci and Mike Pence's Surgeon General, yeah, all y'all big wigs did that. Now, if you're kind of going, okay, wait, Doc, um, I thought Fauci was in charge. I mean, I remember seeing Burks up there, but I thought Fauci was in charge. Here's what you do. Because I covered this on a couple of earlier episodes of the Doc Washburn Show. You go back and you listen to episode 194 and 196, and you can thank me later. Not only was Fauci not in charge. Now, don't get me wrong. He did all kinds of horrible things, and he deserves to be in prison for the rest of his life. But not only was he not in charge, not only was Burks in charge, but I believe that Burks was working at the behest of the Communist Chinese Party to bring this country to its knees, and I believe it worked. And I presented the receipts on episode 194 and 196 of the Doc Washburn Show. I would encourage you to go back and listen and see what you think. They're lying to you because they get away with it. Now, Attorney General Merrick Garland spoke to the United States Senate Judiciary Committee. And some people played patty cake with him, mostly Democrats. And some people actually gave him a run for his money and tried to hold him and the Department of Justice accountable, mostly Republicans. And Merrick Garland is pretty good at lying about stuff. So throughout the show, we're going to have bits and pieces of what happened when Merrick Garland spoke to the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee. But when I say they're lying to you, it's more than just the DOJ and the FBI, okay? 
Um, so now will be as good a time as any, I guess, to go with the uh, the first senator that really read Mar- Merrick Garland, the Riot Act, and that is the junior senator from Texas, Ted Cruz. As you know, as I observed at your confirmation hearing, you had built a long record on the Federal Court of Appeals and a reputation of being relatively nonpartisan. And so I had hopes that your tenure as Attorney General would continue that record. I have to say I'm deeply disappointed in what the last two years have shown. In my judgment, the Department of Justice has been politicized to the greatest extent I've ever seen in this country. And it has done a discredit to the Department of Justice, to the FBI, and to the administration of law in this country. Let me start with a simple question. General Garland, is it a federal crime to protest outside of a judge's home with the intent of influencing that judge as to a pending case? Uh, the answer to that is yes, but I also want to at least respond to your characterization of the department, which sure. I vigorously disagree with. I believe the men and women of the department pursue their work every single day in a nonpartisan and an appropriate General way. General Garland, there are thousands of men and women who do that. And I'll tell you, I hear from prosecutors at the Department of Justice. I hear from agents at the FBI who are angry that it is treated as the enforcement arm for the DNC instead of upholding the law in a fair and even-handed manner. So you are right. There are thousands of men and women that are, that are doing the job, but it is the political leadership that you're responsible for. So you just said, yes, it's a crime to protest at the home of a judge. Same goes for jurors, by the way, with the intent of influencing a case. But in the wake of the leak of the Dobbs decision... When rioters descended at the homes of six Supreme Court justices, night after night after night, you did nothing. The department did nothing. When extremist groups like Ruth Senas and Jane's Revenge openly organized campaigns of harassment at the homes of justices, you sat on your hands. When these same groups posted online information about where the justices worship or their home addresses, or where their kids went to school, you again sat on your hands and did nothing. Your failure to act to protect the safety of the justices and their families was an obvious product of political bias. You agree with Roe versus Wade. You disagree with the Dobbs decision. And the Department of Justice under this president was perfectly happy to refuse to enforce the law and allow threats of violence. And as you know, those threats finally materialized with Nicholas Roski, a 26-year-old man from California who traveled across the country, was arrested outside the home of Justice Kavanaugh, armed with a handgun, a knife, and burglary tools. And he said he came there to kill Justice Kavanaugh because he was enraged by the leaked opinion. Now, of course, you're prosecuting that individual for attempted murder. But did you bring even a single case to enforce this law? Or did the Department of Justice decide this law doesn't apply if it's harassing justices for an opinion we don't like? 
When the Dobbs uh, draft was leaked, I did something no attorney general in the history of the department had ever done before. For the first time in history, I ordered United States Marshals 24-7 to defend every uh, residents of every justice. Well, Garland, as a judge, you're familiar with asking counsel I'm to answer an- a question. I am answering. Has the Department of Justice enforced this statute? Have you brought a single case against any of these protesters threatening the judgment justices under 18 U.S.C. Section 1507? Have you brought even one? Senator, you asked me whether I sat on my hands, and quite the opposite. I sent okay, 70 United States Marshals. Let me try again. Def- and let me- you, has the Department of Justice brought even a single case under this statute? It's a yes-no question. It's not a give a speech on the other things you did. They're lying to you. This Attorney General, this DOJ, they're lying to you. And Ted Cruz is calling them out. And Garland doesn't like that. The job of the United States Marshals is to defend the lives so of the So the answer ju- is no. It's to defend the lives of the justices, and that's their number one priority. They have Why full- are you unwilling to say no? The answer's no. You know it's no. I know it's no. Everyone in this, in this hearing room knows it's no. You're not willing to answer a question. Have you brought a case under this statute, yes or no? As far as I know, we haven't, and what we have done is defended to the lives of the justices with so like how 70 decide, U.S. Marshals. How do you decide which criminal statutes the, the DOJ enforces and which one it doesn't? The United States Marshals. Marshals know that they have full okay, you, I recognize you want to give a separate speech. No, I don't want How to How do a, you decide which statutes you enforce and which ones you don't? But marshals on scene make that determination in light of the priority of defense. The marshals do not make a determination over whether to prosecute you. The attorney general make a determination, and you spent 20 years as a judge, and you're perfectly content with justices being afraid for their children's lives. And you did nothing to prosecute it. Let's shift that, to another area. Can I answer the question? You, no, the, you the cannot. General, you have refused to answer the I question. I am answering your question. The Attorney you General choose, does not decide whether to arrest. How did you choose not to, not to enforce this statute? The marshals on scene. Marshals don't make that decision. They do make the decision of whether to make to an prosecute arrest. prosecute someone? No, they don't. If they make a, uh, if they make Marshals a, do not if, have prosecution. If they make an arrest, right, then it goes let's to the marshals. Let's change topics because our, our time is limited. We've also seen across the country violent attacks to pregnancy centers. Now, did you catch this? The Attorney General was acting like U.S. Marshals have the power to prosecute people. They don't have the power to arrest people. And I'll bet they've been told not to. Do you catch that? All right. Back to the back and forth. We've also seen across the country violent attacks to pregnancy centers by similar left-wing terrorist groups, including one one graffiti of a of a firebomb building said Jane was here. There have been attacks all over the country, and yet the Department of Justice has not brought these violent criminals to justice. You contrast that. If you're a violent criminal and you attack a crisis pregnancy center, that is not a priority in the Biden Department of Justice. Contrast that to Mark Houck, who's a pro-life activist. He's a sidewalk counselor. And he had an altercation with someone who allegedly interfered with his son's personal space and threatened his son, and he pushed him. Now, in an ordinary world, 
pushing someone would be maybe a simple misdemeanor assault, but not under the Biden Department of Justice. If you're a pro-life activist, what can you expect? Well, in this instance, according to Mr. Houck's wife, Two dozen agents clad in body armor and ballistic helmets and shields and a battering ram showed up at his house pointing rifles at his family. Why do you send two dozen agents in body armor to arrest a sidewalk counselor who happens to be pro-life, but you don't devote resources to count pe- to, to prosecute people who are violently firebombing crisis pregnancy. It is a priority of the department to prosecute and investigate and find the people who are doing those firebombings. They are doing it at night and in secret, so, and we have found two, we have found one group which we did prosecute. You we found are, one. How many have there been? How many attacks? There have been a lot, and if you have any information specifically as to who those people are, we would be glad to have that. you personally authorize 20 agents going to Mr. Houck's house, and he uh, offered to turn himself in through counsel, but you didn't want that. The Department of Justice wanted to make a show of it. Did you personally authorize it? And do you want to apologize to Mr. Mrs. Houck and her seven children for being terrorized? The decisions about how to do that are made at the level of the uh, FBI agents on scene. Did and you know about it? I did not know about it until uh, the way you're describing it. And my understanding is the FBI disagrees with that description. Was it a mistake? Senator's time has expired. I'm going to allow the witness to respond to any of the questions that were asked. Was it a mistake? I'm going to chair the committee, Senator. I'm sorry you're not. I'm you said to... you'd allow him to respond. I've repeated the question I asked, which is, was it a mistake to send you, 20 agents to arrest him at the crack of dawn? You had your time. And you more just said you're going to allow him to respond. But you just said, I'm going to allow him to respond to the question. So I repeated the question. Was it a mistake? You that was the, the pending question. You want to ask, I'll ask the questions I want. That's the question I had already asked. Well. You just said you'd let him respond. I'm going to let him respond right Good. now. Please don't interrupt him. Thank you. The decisions about how to do tactical arrests are made by the FBI agents in the field. Uh, the FBI has uh, publicly stated that it disagrees with the description you gave of what happened in that example. I don't, I, that's the best I can answer. It's because you're lying. They're lying to you. They are lying to you. God bless Ted Cruz for trying to hold him accountable because you're lying. Now, I've got a, I've got a quick clip from United States Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa. Just one question that that he asked Merrick Garland, which led to something else, if you catch my drift, that might shock you. Here we go. If the Justice Department received information that foreign persons had evidence of improper or unlawful financial payment uh, paid to elected officials or other politically exposed persons, and those payments may have influenced policy decisions, would that pose a national security concern and demand a full investigation? And when Ray was here, he seemed to answer that question uh, in, in uh, uh, that it was a national security concern. I want your opinion. Uh, in the way that you're, if I, if I follow the question exactly right, if it's an agent of a foreign government asking um, uh, someone uh, and paying someone to uh, do things to support that foreign government in secret, yes, uh, I definitely think that would be a national security problem. 
He's lying to you. Because if he believed that, he would have brought Hunter Biden up on charges a long time ago. No, 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 listen to me. The FBI had that laptop almost a year before the 2020 election. And instead, instead, he had the 51 former Intel uh, executives saying, no, no, all the, all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. Now, there was a response. There was a response to Grassley's question and Garland's answer that, yeah, of course that would be a concern if we had an American entity doing the bidding of a foreign government. Yeah, we would take that very seriously. So the response came from Mr. Moynihan. Now, Moynihan and Doyle were a couple of people, uh, John F. Moynihan and Patrick Doyle, were a couple of people that did a years-long investigation of the Clinton Foundation. And they have been locked up in a legal battle concerning the Clinton Foundation now for over three years. And the only reason I know about that, if you're like, "Wow, I didn't, I didn't realize that." What's what's that about? Well, let me let me tell you how I came to find out about it. In August of 2018, I was sitting in my radio studio, minding my own business, and I got a call from a listener who works at the airport. In Little Rock, Arkansas. He said, Doc, I don't know what's going on, but we got federal agents out here and they're loading hundreds of boxes of documents onto a big old jumbo jet that's owned by the Department of Justice and they're getting ready to fly back to Washington. And so my producer and I are looking at each other and we're like, well, I mean, it's probably not the Arkansas Bow Weevil Eradication Board. What could it be if it's not boxes of documents from the Clinton Foundation? We're just scratching our heads on what's going on. Several months later, uh, December 13th, 2018, when most people had left Congress and gone home to the district to get ready for Christmas, Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan and a handful of other people held the committee hearing. And in the morning, they talked to uh, Tom Fitton, Judicial Watch, but in the afternoon, they talked to Mr. Moynihan and Mr. Doyle. Now, they run a couple of companies that audit 501c3s. And sometimes the 501c3s will reach out to them and say, hey, would you mind auditing us? We just want to make sure that everything is kosher. We're on the up and up. And sometimes they audit 501c3s. 
that don't want to be audited, and if they find any violations of law going on, they turn that over to the feds, and they get a commission for it under federal statute. So all this time, we had been wondering uh, what uh, what the deal was with these federal agents, these box of documents. Lo and behold, several months later, December 13, 2018, Moynihan and Doyle testified that FBI and IRS CID agents, that's Criminal Investigation Division, had hauled hundreds of boxes of documents out of the Clinton Foundation in downtown Little Rock in broad daylight and taken them out to the airport to take back to Washington, D.C. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, wait, 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 wait. So that's what it is. We were right in our guess at the Clinton Foundation. But there was a total news blackout in Little Rock, Arkansas. There are four commercial television stations with news departments, and they all ignored it. There's a major daily newspaper, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. They ignored the story. And then there's the Arkansas Times, the uh, weekly tabloid. They ignored the story. But it happened at broad daylight in downtown Little Rock. How is it that all these news organizations ignore the story and I had the scoop? Anyway, 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 part of what Moynihan and Doyle said was that the Clinton Foundation had been given a charter from the federal government when they started to basically build a library in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. Well, they built the library, but they also began acting as agents representing foreign governments. And Bill Gates, you know, we're not big fans of Bill Gates, but he got into a big argument with Bill Clinton and said, hey, you're going to have to revise your charter there with the feds because you can't just do this. <laughs> you got you got a charter to build a library, not to be agents of foreign governments. And Clinton had no intention of changing the charter, and so... Bill Gates left left the board of the Clinton Foundation. I mean, when there's corruption, it's bad enough to bother Bill Gates. I think you got something. Anyway, so meanwhile, back at the ranch, Mr. John Moynihan noticed the question that Senator Grassley asked the Attorney General about U.S. entities representing foreign governments and uh, Attorney General Garland responding in the affirmative that, yeah, that would concern us. So Moynihan responded out there on Twitter with an 18-second clip from that hearing for four and a half years ago about the Clinton Foundation. Our conclusions in the interest of time are this. Foreign agent. The foundation began acting as an agent of foreign governments early in its life and has continued doing so throughout its existence. As such, the foundation should have registered under FARA. Ultimately, the foundation and its auditors acknowledged this fact and conceded in formal submission. And that's where it cut off, but that's 
No, no. Look, you can go to YouTube. Type in Moynihan, Doyle, and Clinton in a little YouTube search, and you'll get the whole hearing from December 13th, 2018. And if you're the kind of person who is interested in the Clinton scandals, I think you'll find it interesting. One of the things that shocked people when I went to Little Rock, Arkansas, for the first time in 2014, I'd never even seen Arkansas, and I knew a lot of the history of the Clintons. That kind of surprised people because they were like, how'd you know that? You're not from here. And I'm like, well, look, there are a lot of people in the rest of the country that paid attention to the Clinton scandals, you know, going back to the 80s and 90s. You, you don't you don't have to be from Arkansas to, um, to know about these things. So anyway. I just thought I would mention that to you. But, uh, yeah, Bill lies to you. Hillary lies to you. Joe Biden lies to you. Kamala lies to you. They all lie to you. Sometimes Republicans lie to you. We got we got a lot of lies running around today. And we got a lot more coming up. We just scratched the surface. And I'll tell you this. I think the next Republican senator that got to speak to Attorney General Merrick Garland was sorely disappointed that he did not take Senator Cruz's questions seriously. And, did, you know, was, was not candid, was not forthcoming in giving honest answers to extremely important questions. And, you know, if you thought Cruz read Merrick Garland, the riot act, buddy, wait till you hear this next guy. That's coming right up. Okay. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Auto comes in. Red River Auto is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom. The freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online and they'll drive it to you no matter where you live. Red River Auto wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. Red River Auto Group has perfected the online buying process. Just go to redriverauto.com. Pick from hundreds of new and used vehicles. You can purchase your vehicle online. If you have any questions, one of Red River's trained experts will help you through the whole process. Red River Auto makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live in the continental U.S., RedRiverAuto.com. You'll be glad you did. All right. Time to remind you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo? How about fibromyalgia? Problems with your blood sugar, eczema, psoriasis, even migraines? Well, the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you even if you don't live in Arkansas. Let me tell you how. 
your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, or C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. Now, I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks every spring all my life. I had bad migraines year-round. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away, the migraines went away, and they're gone for good. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, fibromyalgia, eczema, psoriasis, even migraines, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation. They've helped me. They've helped my wife. They've helped so many people we know. Please call them to see if maybe they can help you. That number again for your free consultation, 501-279-2009. Now, if you live outside central Arkansas, go to the website, turnmypoweron.com, click on the tab that says Find a Doctor Near You, and I sure hope you can. As you probably heard by now, our buddy Mike Lindell has a passion to help everybody get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating my pillow. No, no. Now he's got the new development, My Pillow 2.0. Have you heard about this? It's amazing. It's got a brand new temperature regulating technology that keeps you comfortable throughout the night. My Pillow 2.0 has a new fabric which dissipates heat and humidity to create a cooling sensation to maintain a cooler surface temperature. This new fabric technology helps regulate your body temperature through the night by creating a lower surface temperature for a more restful night's sleep. You know, your core body temperature plays a big role in how well you sleep. My Pillow 2.0 is developed to provide a cool surface and engineered for comfort. Because it's a fiber, not a finish, it'll last the life of the fabric. My Pillow 2.0 is available in four loft levels. It's machine washable and dryable. There's a 10-year warranty on it and a 60-day money-back guarantee. And of course, it's made in the good old USA. And right now, as an introductory offer to my listeners, use the promo code DWS and Mike will give you two pillows for the price of one. Also, Special offer on the wonderful Giza Dreams Sheets. Get them as low as $29.98 simply by using promo code DWS. In this economy, instead of buying a new bed, rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. MyPillow also has blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles like plush, waffle, or gossamer. For as low as $29.98. Get huge discounts on duvets, quilts, down comforters, and so much more. Remember, use that promo code DWS and you get huge discounts on all my pillow bedding, including my pillow 2.0 and my pillow Giza Dreams sheets. Hey, how about those my slippers moccasins? I had no idea slippers could feel this good. I wear them everywhere, even in freezing cold weather with no socks. And my feet don't get cold. Right now, save up to $90 on my slippers, slip-ons, and moccasins. Mark down to just $49.98 by using promo code DWS. Now, remember, 
That promo code does not stand for Debbie Wasserman Schultz. No, no, no. The washed-up Democrat politician? Absolutely not. DWS stands for Doc Washburn Show. Make sure you use it at MyPillow.com and MyStore.com where Mike sells all kinds of stuff. Quantities are extremely limited at these amazing prices. So please order now. Just use promo code DWS. Josh Hawley, junior senator, the great state of Missouri, was extremely displeased at Attorney General Merrick Garland's response to Ted Cruz. And so he let him have it. Attorney General Garland, let let me just ask you, does your department have a problem with anti-Catholic bias? Uh, Our department um, is... uh uh, 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 protects all religions um, and all ideologies. It does not have uh, any uh, bias against any religion of any kind. Well, you could have surprised me because given the resources that you are expending and the apparently intelligence assets that you are deploying against Catholics, it appears, and other people of faith while simultaneously turning a blind eye while people are executed gang-style in the streets of our cities, including in my home state, your answer frankly surprises me. Let's talk about the Mark Houck case, for example. You've been asked about this already today, and frankly, your answers really astound me. This is a case where a Catholic pro-life demonstrator, father, was accused of disorderly conduct in front of an abortion center, The local prosecutor, the Philadelphia district attorney, who is a Democrat, a liberal, very progressive, declined to prosecute. There was a private suit that got dismissed. And then after all of that, your Justice Department sent between 20 and 30 armed agents in the early morning hours to the Houck's private residence to arrest this guy. After... He had offered to turn himself in voluntarily. Here's the photo. Once again, you can see the long guns. You can see the ballistic shields. You can see that they're wearing bulletproof vests. Why did the Justice Department do this? Why did you send 20 to 30 SWAT-style agents and a SWAT-style team to this guy's house when everybody else had declined to prosecute and he'd offered to turn himself in? Determinations of how to make arrests under arrest warrants are made based uh, by the tactical operators um, in the uh, district. They are not but you surely looked into it by this point, right? They, you, you know the answer, surely. They, all I know is what uh, the FBI has said, which is that they made the decisions on the ground as to what was safest and easiest. So you do not agree with your description of what happened on the scene. You don't agree with my description. I'm pointing out what the photo is. There are agents here who have long guns and ballistic shields. Let's take a look at the hardened criminals that your Justice Department sent these armed agents to go terrorize on that morning. Here they are. Here they are at Mass. They're Catholics. They're there at Roman Catholic Mass in the church. Now, I'm a Protestant, you know, so we don't have Mass in our church. But that's not the point. The point is... These people are being persecuted, I believe, for their religious beliefs. And I believe that Merrick Garland knew exactly what was going on. And Josh Hawley is going to make a point of it here in a minute. Buddy, did I tell you that the uh, title of today's episode is They're Still Lying to You? 
Did I mention it's about just about everything? Here's more. Here's the seven children with Mr. Houck and his wife. In this early morning, they were all at home. Mrs. Houck has said repeatedly the children were screaming. They feared for their lives. You've got these agents demanding that he come out. They've got the gun, she said, pointing at the house and at them. He has offered to turn himself in. And this is who you go to terrorize. What's really interesting to me is this seems to directly contradict your own memorandum about the use of force at the Justice Department. You say officers may use only the force that is objectively reasonable to effectively control an incident. Are you telling me that in your opinion as Attorney General, it was objectively necessary to use 20 or 30 SWAT-style agents with long guns and ballistic shields for these people? What I'm saying is that decisions about how to go about this were made on the ground by FBI agents. So you're saying you don't know? I'm, I'm saying what I just said. Which is that you're abdicating responsibility? I'm not abdicating responsibility. Then give me the answer. Is Do you think in your opinion, you are the Attorney General of the United States. You are in charge of the Justice Department. And yes, sir, you are responsible. So give me an answer. The FBI does not agree with your description. I'm not asking about the FBI. You are the Attorney General. Give me your answer. Do you think that it was objectively reasonable and they followed your guidelines in sending... 20 to 30 armed agents to terrorize these people. Yes or no? The facts I have, which are those presented by the FBI, are not consistent with your description. So you think it was reasonable? I'm saying the facts are not as you describe. But they are. He's lying. He's either lying or he doesn't care what the truth is. I don't know which one's worse. What, that the children weren't there? That there wasn't that there weren't long guns there? That That's, there weren't agents? What wasn't what what do you dispute? What's the factual premise you dispute? FBI Be specific. Said they don't agree with your description of Be um, specific. They don't agree with what? Of of how many agents, of the agents who were there and of what their roles were. They don't agree. Do you know That's the jury in this case acquitted Mr. Hauk? I'm sure you're aware. Do you know how long it took him? I, I am aware and we respect the decision of the jury. Do you know how long it took him? I don't know. One hour. One hour. Philadelphia District Attorney declines to prosecute. The private suit's dismissed. You use an unbelievable show of force with guns that I just note liberals usually decry. We're supposed to hate long long guns and assault-style weapons. You're happy to deploy them against Catholics and innocent children. Happy to. And then you haul them into court and a jury acquits him in one hour. Um, This is called Senator Josh Hawley is owning the Attorney General of the United States of America. He's owning him. Um, He's basically handing his, uh, if I may, gluteus maximus to him. I just suggest to you that that is a disgraceful performance by your Justice Department and a disgraceful use of resources. I notice a pattern, though. The FBI field office in Richmond on the 23rd of January of this year, issued a memorandum in which they advocated for, and I quote, the exploration of new avenues for tripwire and source development against traditionalist Catholics, it's their, their language, including those who favor the Latin Mass. Here we go. Here we go. Attorney General, are you cultivating sources and spies 
in Latin mass parishes and other Catholic parishes around the country? Well, the Justice Department does not do that. It does not um, um, do investigations based on religion. I saw the document you have. What did you do about it? It's appalling. It's appalling. I'm in complete agreement with you. I understand that the FBI has withdrawn it, and it's now looking into how this could ever have happened. How did it happen? That's what they're looking into. But I'm totally in agreement with you. That document is appalling. I'll tell you how it happened. The... This memorandum, which is supposed to be intelligent, cites extensively the Southern Poverty Law Center, which goes on to identify all of these different Catholics as being part of hate groups. Is, is this how the FBI, under your direction and leadership, is, is this how they do their intelligence work? They look, they look at left-wing advocacy groups to target Catholics? Is this what's going on? I mean, clearly it is. How is this happening? The FBI is not targeting Catholics, and, and as I've said, this is... an uh, an inappropriate memorandum, and it doesn't reflect the methods that the FBI is supposed to be using, should not be relying on any single organization without doing its own work. Let me just ask you, as my time expires here, a very direct question. How many informants do you have in Catholic churches across America? I don't know, and I don't believe we have any informants aimed at Catholic churches. We have a rule against uh, investigations based on First Amendment um, activity, and uh, uh, Catholic churches are obviously... Uh, First Amendment. Well, but I wow. Don't know the specific answer to you. You don't know the specifics of anything, it seems. But apparently, on your watch, this Justice Department is targeting Catholics, targeting people of faith specifically for their faith views. And, Mr. Attorney General, I'll just say to you, it's a disgrace. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely a disgrace. And by the way, that. Uh, that memo about the FBI in Richmond, Virginia, saying we need to uh, look into these uh, radical Catholics, that was first reported in the news February 9th, 2023. Now, I'm not all that good in math, but I'm pretty sure that was three weeks ago. And they're investigating? Really, they're investigating to see how it happened? Oh, I think by now you could have found out who wrote it and asked him or her why. It shouldn't take uh shouldn't take three weeks. No. Nah. No, it shouldn't. But they're lying to you. And God bless the people who are trying to hold them accountable so there's so much more uh, the great Jesse Kelly national radio talk show host out of uh, Houston Texas said here's your reminder that the FBI falsified documents so the FISA court would allow them to continue spying on Donald Trump on behalf of Democrats, and after they got caught, not a single person went to prison. The one fall guy they used is still practicing law. He said, you'll know your country is headed in the right direction when government employees start going to prison. Until then, the rot continues. And so... Uh, an anonymous guy responded to him saying, love the kid gloves used by Brett Baer of Fox News 
when he interviewed Christopher Wray, the director of the FBI. They're on the same team, pro-establishment. To which Jesse Kelly responded, the FBI is quite obviously on a public relations campaign right now to soften its image before the coming Republican hearings. Sitting down with Fox News is part of that. Of course, they're not stupid. There's a reason they reached out to Brett Baer and not Tucker Carlson. This is all PR. Yeah, I mean, that. there's all kinds of stuff that Brett Baer could have asked the FBI director. But he didn't. And that's a crying shame. Certainly didn't ask him about Ray Epps. Didn't ask him why nobody has gone to prison for the years-long conspiracy the FBI was in the middle of to take down Trump. None of that stuff. You know, there's a reason like I say, they reached out to Brett Bear instead of Tucker Carlson. Somebody else who goes by Red Wing Grips out there on uh, Twitter reminded us the FBI also offered a British spy $1 million for the fabricated dossier on Trump. In other words, they told Christopher Steele, uh, who put together the fabricated Steele dossier, we'll give you a million dollars if you can substantiate this stuff. And he couldn't do it. Brett Bear could have asked about that. But no. No. Absolutely not. So let's take a look at another United States senator on the U.S. Judiciary Committee, Republican who talks a really good game. The junior senator from the state of Arkansas, Tom Cotton. And remember, when you hear him really going after Merrick Garland, when you hear him seemingly trying to hold Merrick Garland accountable, remember that Tom Cotton is one of 18 Republican United States senators a few months ago that voted for the $1.7 trillion spending bill, which included hundreds of of millions more dollars for the DOJ and the FBI that are responsible for doing all these things that Tom Cotton is now criticizing them for. He voted to reward them, along with 17 other Republican senators. He voted to reward them for how they've mistreated 
the January 6th political prisoners. So, please, I beg of you, keep that in mind. Because if I, if you didn't know that, you would hear Tom Cotton really reading the Riot Act to Merrick Garland, and you would think, hey, hey, great job here, Tom, because he's saying the right things and he's asking the right questions. He just doesn't do the right things. Okay? So I just, I felt the need to put that into context. Because only two of those 18 Republican senators that voted to give the DOJ and the FBI hundreds of millions of more dollars, only two of them are actually on the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee. Oh, I take it back. Three, three. I apologize. Three. Tom Cotton, John Cornyn of Texas, and Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. So I just needed to put that into perspective. All right, without any further ado, here's the back and forth between United States Senator Thomas Bryant Cotton and Attorney General Merrick Garland. Mr. Attorney General, I want to explore the dangerous crisis at our southern border and your role in causing that crisis. Asylum traditionally is reserved for people who face things like religious persecution, persecution for their political beliefs, or violence because of their race or ethnicity. In June of 2021, you changed the department's asylum rules so that it could apply to individuals with significant gang violence in their home country. Is that 2021 interpretation still in place? Uh, it is. It reinstates a previous interpretation uh, the department had had of the same um, asylum rules, yes. Okay. Do you know the most recent murder rate in Honduras? I'm sure it's enormously high. It's 36 per 100,000 people. What about Colombia? I, I don't know. 23 per 100,000. Guatemala? Again, I don't know, but I believe it's Seven, high. 17 per 100,000. What about Mexico, right across our southern border? I also think it's very high. 28 per 100,000. So I have to say, since you rewrote the rules of asylum based on the perceived degree of violence in these countries, I'm a little surprised you didn't know those, but let's look a little bit closer to home. Do you know the murder rate in New Orleans last year? I don't, but I want to be clear, this wasn't based on violence. This is based on threats specifically to individuals, on gangs, where the country was unable to protect the person. He didn't say anything about violence. He said the murder rate. There's a lot of violence. It's not murder. But anyway. That's what it was about. So, it wasn't about violence Well, okay. Well, you're partly responsible for protecting Americans. So let's see. Honduras' government can protect its own people except for 36 out of every 100,000 for murders. Guatemala, 17 out of every 100,000. The murder rate in New Orleans last year was 70 for every 100,000. What about St. Louis? Again, very high. I 68 per 100,000. What about Baltimore? Also very high. 58 per 100,000. Yeah. Should American citizens in places like New Orleans and Baltimore and St. Louis begin to seek asylum in countries like Honduras and Guatemala under your asylum principles? Again, I'm saying that the principle here is protection of specific individuals who are being uh, uh, threatened by the gang and where the local um, uh, country is unwilling or unable to protect them. So, 
So is the United States government and the city governments of St. Louis and Baltimore and, and New Orleans unwilling or unable to protect its I don't own believe citizens? That, I don't believe they're unwilling. They're well, doing everything that they can. We're supporting them in every way they can. The examples so, that you're talking about are ones where they are unwilling to protect from gangs. So, Mr. Attorney General, one of the reasons we have a crisis at our border where we have illegal aliens running to our Border Patrol, not away from our Border Patrol, is this interpretation of asylum. That anyone anywhere who lives in a dangerous or poor country can come here and seek asylum, as opposed to seeking it, as is traditionally the case for things like persecution on religious belief or political practice. But let's, let's, move, on. let's move on, Mr. Attorney General. Yeah, I that's not the standard, I want to I, be clear. I want to come back to a question that Senator Cornyn started. Your, your unprecedented memo in December of 2020 to direct your prosecutors not to pursue the most serious, readily provable offense. I have gotten numerous, numerous contacts in my office from your prosecutors who are shocked that you have overturned this decades-long bipartisan standard. You said this is about allocating resources. What what resources are you talking about? No prosecutor, I, no prosecutor was directed to not bring uh, a case again. In fact, your memo specifically says if they feel that it's not warranted or only if the other offenses are not sufficient, they should not pursue what has been the standard for decades, well, generations of U.S. attorneys and their I'm assistants. I'm well aware of the standard because I helped write the standard originally. When because it was a Carter administration first, standard, that's not right. specifically known for being tough on crime. Ex- well, it was the first time the principles of prosecution were reduced to a book which explained what they were. It was included in it. Every uh, assistant U.S. attorney is able to use their discretion to bring these kinds of cases. No one's being directed to not do anything. You, you specifically said that they should not pursue the most serious readily provable offenses in cases where mandatory minimums are present because it's not warranted. You specifically said that. Uh, but I said... The, what, the, is manda- what does mandatory mean? I'm trying to say that... Does it mean that prosecutors get a choice not to pursue it if mem- you write the law in that way? The memorandum said that that, that uh, uh, cases of violent crime, which is specifically what you're asking me, are ones where, in fact, it's most likely that they should be bringing the highest and uh, is, mandatory minimums. Is it your assertion here that... Drug trafficking is not a violent crime. No, it's and built also, on an entire foundation and edifice of violence. Yes, and it includes an exception in in the same memorandum we're talking about for significant drug trafficking um, as well as for violent crime. So That's let's, right. Let's get your specific answer. I wrote it down here. I was so surprised by it. You said to Senator Cornyn, "This is about allocating resources. Yeah. What what resources are we allocating? If one of your assistant U.S. attorneys has some criminal low life." who could be charged with 12 offenses, but they don't charge the two most serious readily provable offenses because of your memorandum. They're still charged with 10 offenses. They have to go to a grand jury. They have to go to trial. They have to have a pre-sentencing report. They have to have a sentencing hearing. How is that conserving resources that you don't charge them with the most serious readily provable offenses that would lock these low lives up for the longest time possible? Hey, you got to give it to him. He's asking the right questions. He's saying the right thing. Now, why he gave this guy's Department of Justice hundreds of millions of more dollars in the bill he voted for a few months ago, who knows? Why he gave the FBI hundreds of millions of more dollars, who knows? But he, yeah, oh, he's... He's asking the right questions to the Attorney General right now. Absolutely. Lives that you're worried about and have expressed worried about, the drug, large drug traffickers, the violent criminals, they are to be charged to the max. I ask again, what resources were you talking about? You said to Senator Corn specifically it was about allocating resources. What resources? 
These include our investigators and how much we have to investigate in order to establish the uh, requirements for mandatory minimums. The prosecutors have to prove those cases. The judges who have to try those cases, and the jails that have to hold those cases, uh, those individuals for well, longer if terms. Jails are. I don't see how jails could be a problem. You only have one hundred fifty-eight thousand prisoners now. Ten years ago, it was two hundred nineteen thousand. Do you need more prisons? Well, I, I think that. Uh, and he's an appropriator. I bet he could get you more. Well, prisons. I think that many of the senators have complained that the jails are too too uh, filled. That they are uh, over crowded that we're not able to provide the level of protection and security for uh, guards and for prisoners uh, that we would like. But that is not what this is about. I'm, again, I want to be clear. The memorandum was crystal clear that um, they are to charge um, uh, this most serious provable offense in exam- cases involving violent crime and drug trafficking. Okay, let's turn to another example of you overriding Congress's will. Congress has repeatedly decided to impose stiffer penalties for crack cocaine than powder cocaine, done originally at the request of members of the Congressional Black Caucus, voted for by, by senators like Senator Durbin, the chairman of this committee. Ten years ago, they made change to that. They specifically kept the ratio higher, and they didn't make it retroactive. Now, you have directed your prosecutors, when they are dealing with crack cocaine, to charge it as if it was powder cocaine, something that this Congress has repeatedly refused to do, which we refused to do as recently as December when Senator Booker tried it on the floor and I blocked it. How do you explain overriding Congress's decision on this distinction between crack and powder cocaine to suit your own policy preferences? Uh, the longstanding rule um, is that the uh, Department of Justice uses its discretion in which charges to bring, um, regardless of which ones are available, which ones are to, to bring. Every bit of evidence we have is that there's no difference between powder and crack. Uh, Governor Hutchinson testified those are, legis- that. those are legislative. Those are legislative decisions. Those are not prosecutorial decisions. If this Congress wants to do it, maybe it will one day. Maybe I'll be outvoted. But those are legislative decisions. Those are not prosecutorial decisions. You said at your confirmation hearing that you had to follow the law as it was written, that the executive branch could not rewrite the law. What you are doing is rewriting the law. It's not a single prosecutor out on the front lines making one decision. You're directing every federal prosecutor to override the law that has been written by Congress. We're using our discretion as to which charges to bring in which circumstances, which ones are appropriate. That's what we're doing. That's a longstanding history of prosecutorial discretion in the United States. Wow. No, you got to hand it to Tom Cotton. He's uh, verbally, verbally trying to hold Attorney General Merrick Garland accountable. He's asking the right questions. He's making the right points. Did did he ever say why he voted for that $1.7 trillion spending bill? Why he voted to give hundreds of millions more dollars to the FBI? And the DOJ, I don't think he ever addressed that. Yeah, that's uh, that's wild, isn't it? But hey, we're just scratching the surface. We have a lot more people going to try to hold this attorney general accountable because, let's face it, you know, I mean, the the FBI which is under the Justice Department and the Justice Department at large are acting as the palace guard for Joe Biden. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. They're lying to you. Guess who else is lying to you? Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. 
And I'll tell you how. Coming right up. Look, uh, if you have heard recently that AT&T's satellite operation, DirecTV, kicked Newsmax off of their service, and you don't like that, and you're tired of supporting the liberal policies of AT&T, you know, I can't really recommend where you should get a different satellite service or cable or whatever, but I could definitely recommend a different cell phone carrier. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage, uses the same towers the main carriers use, and they give you a coverage guarantee. You're covered. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget along with great discounts for our veterans and first responder heroes, as well as multi-line users. I'm not a veteran hero or a first responder hero, but I sure am saving money with Patriot Mobile. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollar is helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Switching is easy. Just do what I did. Go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Make sure you use promo code DOC. That's D-O-C for free activation. Now, the great Ronald Reagan once said, Inflation is as violent as a mugger, as frightening as an armed robber, as deadly as a hitman. So, have you thought about the benefits of investing and precious metals. I got five profound benefits for you of investing in precious metals. Number one, precious metals are a hedge against inflation. Number two, they're a great way to diversify your portfolio. Number three, two words, asset liquidity. Number four, precious metals tend to be a store of value. That means they're an asset, commodity, or currency that maintains their value without depreciating over the long haul. Last but not least, number five, precious metals can be a hedge against geopolitical uncertainty and the struggling U.S. dollar. So we're honored to join forces with Beverly Hills Precious Metals and its owner, Andrew Sorcini. Now, Andrew has been involved in gold and silver for over 40 years. Andrew Sorcini and his team at Beverly Hills Precious Metals Know the gold and silver business inside and out. After many years in the markets and collecting precious metals privately, Andrew opened Beverly Hills Precious Metals in 2010 to bring precious metals to the homes of everyday American citizens. We found out about Andrew Sorcini and Beverly Hills Precious Metals from our friend General Michael Flynn, and we're glad we did. And by the way, Beverly Hills Precious Metals is selling the Michael Flynn silver coin, and it is selling like hotcakes. 
Andrew is a frequent guest on conservative podcasts. Beverly Hills Precious Metals is our gold buyer of choice. To learn more about Andrew and his team, go to bh-pm.com. Now, the BH stands for Beverly Hills. The PM stands for Precious Metals, bh-pm.com. Hey, if you can't remember the website, just Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals. No matter what search engine you use, it's the first thing that'll come up. Let them know Doc Washburn sent you. We're honored to be able to tell you about Beverly Hills Precious Metals in an effort to help you in your attempts to protect your family's finances, wealth, and investments. bh-pm.com or just Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals. Tell them Doc Washburn sent you. I've been talking about how the world's going crazy with supply chain issues, record-setting inflation, sky-high gas prices, and woke corporations that stand against everything we believe in. We all know how the big box stores were allowed to stay open all during the pandemic while so many little guys, small business owners, regular people were forced to close. The wealthiest people on earth became better off while mom and pop businesses suffered. The question is, what are we willing to do about it? How can our voices be heard? Well, we can make a difference by voting with our dollars. Why continue shopping at big box stores if you can get the items you need from a family-owned company? Now, finally, we can shop factory direct at a family-owned, made-in-America manufacturer. Switch to America.com is helping Americans walk away from the big box conglomerates. That's why Switch to America was created, with regular folks like you and me in mind. One of the best ways to get around this crazy inflation is to shop with family-owned companies that put their customers first rather than shareholders and corporate executives. A lot of patriot influencers have come on board. I'm inviting you to join with fellow patriots to cut off the cash flow of the big, woke corporations that are trying to destroy our country. We're done with a woke globalist operation against humanity. Each of us can take market share away from these businesses that have enjoyed unfair advantages. We can choose to help each other by shopping family-owned, made in America. The website is switchtoamerica.com. Join with over 2 million monthly shoppers that have already made the switch. Let's start voting with our dollars to make sure our purchases are supporting companies that promote freedom. Now, an even more exciting addition is fresh American-raised beef. Raised in the mountains of Montana near the Yellowstone, this beef is known as Never Ever. Never has the animal ever been exposed to antibiotics, hormones, or vaccines. This prime or high-choice beef is shipped directly to your door. Pricing and availability is exclusive only to our members and isn't shipped anywhere else in the world. SwitchToAmerica.com is dedicated to offering family-owned alternatives for items we buy on a regular basis. Just go to SwitchToAmerica.com. When it asks how you heard about us, click on my name, Doc Washburn, plug in your info, and I'll have one of my guys contact you. SwitchToAmerica.com. Okay, now, remember when Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy, as a way to secure the last few votes he needed 
to get voted in Speaker of the House back in January, he promised to release the over 40,000 hours of security camera video from January 5th and 6th. Now, you, if you're thinking, how could there possibly be 40,000 hours, only 24 hours in a day? Apparently, they have hundreds of cameras all over the place. That's how. He promised to release it. So, then, Tucker Carlson recently said, hey, you know what? He's going to let me and my team of researchers for my show go through all this stuff and present to you our findings. And a lot of people are saying, hey, that's not fair. Why not just release to everybody? But what I figured was he's going to give Tucker and his staff of crack researchers um, dibs on it first so they can get the truth out and then release to everybody. And I, you know, I don't mind waiting a few weeks while Tucker and his staff are getting everything together. Okay? But... You're going to be shocked when I tell you what's actually going on. CBS News headline, Tucker Carlson's staff could view but not record January 6th footage, GOP lawmaker says. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Say what? So... According to a high-ranking Republican member of the committee that oversees the U.S. Capitol Police, U.S. Representative Barry Loudermilk of Georgia, who chairs the subcommittee of the House Committee on Administration, Fox News host Tucker Carlson's staff was permitted to view but not record portions of some 41,000 hours of police videos documenting the events of January 6, 2021, with the opportunity to request copies of some of the clips under an agreement reached with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's office. Representative Loudermilk told CBS News that a screening station was set up for the Fox News team to view videos from the riot at the Capitol on January 6. There was no riot. It was a police riot. But it's CBS News, so what do you expect? The staffers were not allowed to record or remove any of the videos from the screening area, according to Representative Barry Loudermilk, who chairs the subcommittee of the House Committee on Administration, which is over the U.S. Capitol Police. Now, remember, well, you probably don't remember because you probably never heard in the first place. Several months ago, Barry Loudermilk, U.S. Representative from Georgia, said the uh, U.S. Capitol Police did a great job on, uh, on, on January 6th. McCarthy himself has said the guy that murdered Ashley Babbitt didn't murder her, he's just doing his job. So Loudermilk said the Fox News team may request any particular video clips they may need, then we'll make sure there's nothing sensitive, nothing classified, including escape routes, we don't want Al-Qaeda to know certain things. Nothing sensitive, huh? Like uh, 
police officer beating a woman half to death. That'd be, that'd be sensitive, I think. Look, Nancy Pelosi, Liz Cheney, their sham January 6th committee already showed the escape route that Mike Pence took to get out of the building. This is bogus. This is bogus. Speaker of the House is lying to you. Sounds like Loudermilk is too, unless he's just, you know, not paying attention to what's going on. Loudermilk said the clips requested by Fox News and cleared for release by his committee would eventually be made public and available to other media outlets, many of which have demanded equal access to the footage. Loudermilk said the time frame of the, for the release to Fox and the public remains unclear. He says, hopefully, sooner rather than later, but I think we're talking about weeks to months. Yeah, what if you talk about years, man? What if what if the Democrats take back the House in less than two years and you haven't released this stuff? You need to release all of it. Later at the Capitol, Speaker McCarthy defended his decision to make the footage available, telling reporters that he, quote, wanted to make sure we don't play politics, unquote, with the footage's release and ensure that, quote, everyone's able to get it, unquote. But they're not. Sounds like a guy that talks out both sides of his mouth. McCarthy said Tucker Carlson specifically assured him he did not intend to view or show any video revealing the exit routes that lawmakers used to flee the Capitol on January 6th. He said, we walked through the security basis, so there's no concern. He confirmed he intends to release all of the footage publicly as soon as possible. Look, if Al-Qaeda wanted to know the exit routes, I mean, all he'd have to do is talk to Rashida Tlaib or Ilhan Omar, right? I mean, they're clearly sympathizers. See, McCarthy can't say that. I could never be a politician because I say these things. When asked about potentially providing January 6th defendants with access to the videos, McCarthy said they already have it. They're lying to you. No, they don't. No, they don't. They only have what the prosecution wants them to have. There's plenty of stuff they don't have. They're lying to you. This is the same Speaker McCarthy who said Ashley Babbitt wasn't murdered and the cop was just doing his job. He's lying to you. The speaker added, it's my understanding before, if you were a defendant, you could have all the footage. No. Where'd you get that understanding from, pal? Disgusting. CBS News here says some attorneys have argued that files and videos already provided to them by the Justice Department have been voluminous and are a challenge to sort through. Well, yeah, except for the ones they haven't provided to them. Though Loudermilk said the administration committee would have some oversight of the video release, he told CBS News the agreement with Fox News was reached by McCarthy before the committee was even organized earlier this year. Loudermilk said that came directly from the Speaker's office. Multiple House Republicans said the sharing of some of the massive trove of police videos with Fox News, was discussed at a Tuesday morning meeting of GOP lawmakers. Loudermilk said 
There was no noticeable protest or dissent about the video agreement with Fox News among Republicans at the meeting. House Majority Leader Steve Scalise said that any videos that are eventually released are, quote, obviously going to be scrutinized to make sure that you're not exposing sensitive information. What about cops killing people? Four Trump supporters were killed that day, you know. I mean, no cops were, no police were, but four Trump supporters are. So remember, next time you hear somebody says, there was only one person that died that day, Ashley Babbitt. Tell them there were three more. Ashley Babbitt was murdered. Roseanne Borland was murdered. Kevin Greeson was murdered. And Benjamin Phillips was murdered that day. I'll bet you McCarthy doesn't know their names. The unilateral arrangement between McCarthy and Fox News has drawn sharp criticism from House Democrats. I don't care. They're part of the problem. Yeah, I'm just I'm just going to cut it off right there. I'm just going to cut it off right there, but I, I will say something. Mike Lindell had something to say about this. He was on uh, Stephen Bannon's War Room show recently talking about filing suit over all of this, and it went something like this. And, and, and I'll just say before, a little editorial comment, before I play the clip of Mike Lindell on with Bannon, I'm thankful that Mike Lindell listened to his attorneys because obviously he has attorneys who gave him good advice. You're talking about a suit that you got incoming. Can you get us up to speed on it? Yeah, it's, uh, as everybody knows, uh, Kevin McCarthy and the gang uh, released uh, uh, 44,000 hours from January 6th to exclusively Fox News. Well, we're not going to sit back and let that happen. We're going after him for the First Amendment provision. Freedom of the press were injured by not having access. And then the other thing is the Equal Protection Clause, discrimination by the Speaker. You don't just give it. It's, a, it's like a cover-up. Why does just Fox get this? so they can cover it up even more it's disgusting we were going to go after fox to get it and the lawyers yesterday we had a big meeting and they said no we're going to go right after the speaker right after congress and uh and i'll take it all the way up i don't care if i don't get it there we're going to run this all the way to the supreme court good i'm glad he's going to sue speaker mccarthy instead of fox news because look If I were doing a television talk show, as Tucker Carlson is doing, and I had the chance to get access to the January 6th footage first, you better believe I would. It's part of trying to get the truth out to my audience. And part of trying to Win back the audience. You know, so many viewers that they lost after the 2020 election. I I don't blame Tucker. You know, it, it, it wasn't Tucker that said, hey, I'm going to get the exclusive. Don't give it to anybody else. He was given the opportunity, apparently, And he jumped at the chance. That's what you do 
when you do what he does. So I'm thankful that, you know, Mike Lindell's attorneys said, okay, well, here's the deal, Mike. Um, Instead of suing Fox, and it's not their fault McCarthy's not giving it to anybody else, we need to sue McCarthy. And I think Mike Lindell saw the wisdom of that. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Anyway, um, again, we're honored to be associated with Mike Lindell. Just want to mention that, and I'm glad he listened to his attorneys. They gave him really good advice on that, really good advice. All right, um, let's do a little bit more of Merrick Garland, Attorney General Facing the Music. And i got to tell you something. I like this guy, John Kennedy of Louisiana. He has kind of a, uh, a folksy demeanor. You know, and he tends to not get riled up and tends to speak with a soft voice. But the content of what he says can be just as incendiary as the content you've already heard from Ted Cruz, Tom Cotton, and Josh Hawley trying to hold Merrick Garland accountable so it's you know one can be waylaid by his uh, mellow demeanor i read this somewhere i don't remember who said it but i wrote it but i remember it it was once observed that that a parent who stops loving their children, if a parent stops loving their children, the children will not stop loving the parent. The children will stop loving themselves. Um, I know we can agree that uh, we should encourage parents to be involved in their kids' lives. Absolutely. And... I'm sure we can agree that we should encourage parents to uh, make their kids do their homework. Yeah, so there's sometimes some resistance to that. Right, right. And to make sure they get sleep at night so they can be ready for school. Yes. Um, here's what I'm, I've always been confused about. Didn't you understand the chilling effect that it would have to parents when you issued uh, your directive, when you directed your criminal divisions and your counterterrorism divisions to, um, to investigate parents who are angry at school boards and administrators during covid Senator, if you just give me a moment to put the full context, I did not do that. I did not issue any memorandum directing the investigation of parents who are concerned about their children. Quite to the contrary, the memorandum that you're talking about says at the very beginning of the memorandum that vigorous public debate is protected by the First Amendment. And the kind of concerns that you're talking about are, uh, as expressed by parents, are, of course, completely protected. The memorandum was aimed at violence and threats of violence against a whole host of school personnel. 
It was not aimed at parents making complaints to their school board. And it, it came in the context of a whole series of other kinds of violent threats uh, and violence against other public well, well, officials. Let's walk through this. Um, your directive to your criminal division and your counterterrorism division came in a response to a letter from the National School Boards Association, did it not? In part to the letter and in part to news reports of violence. And and, and the the National School Board Association um, said these parents ought to be investigated under the Patriot Act as potential domestic terrorists. And you'll notice, Senator, that I said nothing like that. I understand, but that's what the letter said. There there was a reference to that in the letter, something I disagree with. And your employees helped them write the letter, didn't they? I don't know anything to suggest that that's true. Uh, I think it is true. And the White House helped them write that letter, didn't they? I I don't know. I have no knowledge about that, but certainly I don't know anything about my employees helping write that letter. So you get this letter from the National School Board Association asking you to investigate parents that your employees helped write and that the White House helped write, and you issue a directive to your criminal division and to your counterintelligence or counterterrorism division to start investigating parents who are angry. What did you think was going to happen? Did I tell you or did I tell you? Don't let his soft tone of voice waylay you. This guy is on the case, just like the other guys you heard. Say again, Senator, that I my, nothing in my memorandum says to investigate parents who are angry. Quite the opposite. It says that the First Amendment protects that kind of vigorous debate. The only thing we wanted was for an assessment to be made out in the field about whether federal assistance was needed to prevent violence and threats of violence. Well, one of your field, that's not the way your, your, your department implemented your directive. One of your field offices actually opened an investigation. You set up a, a website and a hotline to report parents. And yeah, they, I, I state, don't think we didn't set up a specific hotline about this. This was a, a reference to the Democratic FBI's Party hotline. official contacted you. They said uh, that some Republicans were inciting violence by expressing public displeasure with school districts' vaccine mandates. And one of your field offices opened an investigation, which is a permanent part of their record. Uh, um, Senator, I, I don't know anything about the specific thing that you're talking about. Uh, used to say, they used to say in high school this is going to be on your permanent record. I don't believe there is any such thing um, uh, with respect well, I, to this. I think this. there is at the FBI general, and oh. you and I both know there is. There, there was a lady and in, in, uh, a mom in Michigan. She has a special needs kid, and the kid was doing pretty well. And she got upset with her local school board over its closures and and uh, virtual learning policies. And she went to the meeting. And and she made an intemperate comment. She 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 accused them of being a bunch of Nazis. Um why would the FBI open an investigation of her? 
and I don't know anything about the specifics of the case, but accusing people of being Nazis, while well, I find bad, is certainly not criminal. It's totally protected no. by the First Amendment. I mean, I and I've said that over and over again. This is not the first time we've discussed not, this. That's not what your department did. Well, I, 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 this is about the third time I've been asked to say about the same memorandum. And each time I've said, and I hope that the senators would go ahead and advise their constituents in the same way, that this is not what we do. We are not in any way trying to interfere with parents making complaints but, about the education of their children. But don't you understand, General, and, 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 and I, I, I believe you, but don't you understand that this looks like you were just giving in to the teachers' unions and politicizing the disagreement, the honest disagreements? I mean, we only, as a result of some of our school board policies... We only experienced the largest learning loss for our kids in modern history. Don't you think parents had a right to be upset? Absolutely. Instead of, what is a, I mean, you you implemented, what's a threat tag? Uh, I didn't implement the threat tag. What you're talking about there is a part of uh, internal FBI operations. Yeah. As far as I I can. Directed your folks, though. To open threat tags on these parents I, I and, and, and investigate them. Yeah, I did not uh, uh, direct that. My understanding from testimony by the FBI is that when somebody makes a complaint and it involves, uh, a, 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 if somebody uh, gives a tip that a, a, a school official is being threatened, then there's, uh, in order to uh, 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 Look at trends. They mark it as a as a uh, uh, tip involving a school official. He's lying to you. I'm telling you, he's lying to you. They make the, have the same set of uh, threat tags with respect to a complaint that suggests somebody is making a threat against a Supreme Court justice. These aren't complaints. These are tips that of violence or threats of violence. A threat tag. On a parent for being concerned at a school board meeting? It's not on the parent. It's not on whoever. It's on uh, to indicate that a threat was made against, or at least alleged that a threat was made against, a school board member or a school official or a teacher or a school. Some of these turned out to be bomb threats. Senator, so, uh, Senator Kennedy, we're going to have a second round of questioning on behalf of uh, Chairman Durbin, who has gone to vote. I'm going to call on... You're blaming it on Durbin, huh? <laughs> I understand. I apologize for I going take over. Full responsibility. Thank you, General. Just amazing. I, I Kennedy has a, a knack there to be collegial and to get along with people on the other side of the uh, uh, aisle while he is just going off on the Attorney General without ever raising his voice. It is a wonder to behold. All right, I I need to clarify, and I need to uh, basically correct something I said earlier because I just found out CNN is reporting now. Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy's office said Tuesday that lawyers for defendants facing charges in the January 6, 2021 insurrection, you idiots, there was no insurrection, will be granted access to U.S. Capitol security footage as the top House Republican has faced scrutiny for allowing Fox News. So he is giving access to the lawyers. But the thing is, didn't he promise he's going to let all the rest of us see it? And now we know that 
Tucker Carlson's staff isn't even allowed to to copy it so they can play it on the air? What good is that? It's very troubling. They're lying to you. By the way, there's a guy named uh, Christian Anderson, K-R-I-S-T-I-A-N, last name Anderson with an E, not an O. He's a Danish evolutionary biologist and professor in the Department of Immunology and Microbiology at the Scripps Research Institute in La Jolla, California. And he emailed Dr. Fauci in late January 2020 and told him that some features of the the China virus, the Wu flu, made him think it might have been engineered. And then Fauci told him to change his story. He changed his story. And then he was given a uh, $1.88 million grant and $16.5 million in funding after he changed his story at the behest of Anthony Fauci. They're lying to you. So, Sloan Rackmuth out of North Carolina, who writes for Education First, North Carolina, edfirstnc.org, has a new article out. Actually, it's not new, but it's recent. Entitled, North Carolina Girls High School Sports Are Dead. Talking about the law now in North Carolina, males now have unrestricted access to all female sports following a recent settlement, but North Carolina just became one of the easiest states in America for boys to dominate girls' athletics, effectively making them spectators, making the girls spectators in their own sports. So, there are two parts to this story. One that is sometimes covered in the media is how easy it is for a male to beat females in swimming or track and field or whatever, MMA, whatever. So you get this guy, William Thomas, who calls himself Leah, who... uh, couldn't do very well against uh, male swimmers, but against females, he uh, almost always wins. That's the one part of the story. So, you know, there there have been boys who say, oh, we're, oh we're, we're girls now, and they beat the girls in track and field, and so some girls don't get scholarships, don't get to go on to bigger and better things, competitions. That's the one part of the story. The other part of the story, which they never, ever talk about, but I read about it, in the UK Daily Mail. You know the girl on uh, Thomas's uh, swimming team with the, the dirty blonde hair that um, has been speaking up? Actually, Tucker Carlson did let her talk about it a little bit, but nobody else on Fox that I know of. Now, maybe I missed it because I hardly watch anybody else during the week. 
The other part of it is what she told the Daily Mail some months ago is that William Thomas, who calls himself Leah, uh, still has all his male parts and is obviously still attracted to females. And I'm not going to be much more specific than that, but she said it is a harrowing experience to be changing clothes in the locker room, and he's also changing, and he's not trying to hide his nakedness from the females. And he's still attracted to females. So it's uh, it's sexual harassment, it's sexual abuse, but the, the, the girls on the swim team have been told the coaches by the coaches to shut up. Why? They're lying to you. They're lying to you. It's not just the government that's lying. Uh, the government lies a lot, but so do other entities. They're lying to you. All right, let's let's go to Mike Lee. Mike Lee, Republican U.S. Senator from Utah, trying to hold Merrick Garland's feet to the fire. That's the concern that I've got, um, is that... You don't seem to condemn the divisiveness if it's on the left. Um, I want to go back briefly to the text of Section 1507. Now, I just got to say something here. Nobody said divisive until, until Barack Obama decided to mispronounce it. It's always been divisive. I never heard anybody say divisive. But Barack Obama said it, so for some reason it's in the uh, common vernacular now. Anyway. I want to go back briefly to the text of Section 1507. Section 1507 is pretty darn clear. I, I, I personally don't see how anyone could protest outside the home of a Supreme Court justice, uh, especially while engaging in issue advocacy related to a case that they've taken or are currently hearing. It doesn't violate 18 U.S.C. Section 1507. So the fact that you've put uh, U.S. Marshal Service uh, uh, in charge of protecting their homes, great. The fact that not a single arrest has been made, not a single set of charges have been made, is very disconcerting. As is the fact that even if the marshals don't choose to make an arrest there, which is stunning to me that they haven't, but even if they hadn't, there's video footage. You can identify folks. You've proven your ability to do that. And the fact that you're not bringing that is deeply disturbing, disturbing to me, as, as it was when on the day of the Dobbs decision, the Department of Justice took what I believe was a pretty unprecedented step of issuing a scathing statement, not just saying we disagree or we're disappointed with the outcome, but making arguments that I believe called into question the legitimacy of the court. I have never seen the Department of Justice do that. It is cause for additional concern when I see people uh, like uh, Philip Pesformes, uh, uh Having received clemency is now having uh, to face the prospect of being prosecuted again after having received clemency by a prior president. Add all this up with the fact that by the end of this year, we're going to see the expiration of Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. The department's already asking and chomping at the bit uh, uh, to be asking us to simply reauthorize that. Notwithstanding the fact that um, there are all kinds of examples of how this has been politicized, 
how Section 702 has been misused. The current standard for a warrantless backdoor search of the content of communications of Americans, uh, American persons is reasonably likely to return evidence of a crime. But the ODNI's recently declassified uh, semi-annual report uh, released on December 22nd, 20, 21st of 2022, reports all kinds of non-compliant searches. These are just the ones we know about, just the ones that the ODNI report was able to identify, involving U.S. persons, including the, the, the searches of prospective FBI employees, members of a political party, individuals recommended to participate in the FBI Citizens Academy, journalists, and even a congressman. The politicization of the department is a problem. And you can tell your department, not a chance in hell we're going to be reauthorizing that thing without some major, major reforms. Your department is not trusted because it has been politicized. I know you are a good person. You have the ability to rein it in. I ask that you do so promptly. He's not a good person. I mean, Mike Lee, do you realize you're lying too? You did so well until right up at the end. Merrick Garland is not a good person. Do you realize what you just did? Ted Cruz gets a second bite at the apple on the second go-round. And he comes out uh, guns blazing, metaphorically speaking. General Garland, the Department of Justice should enforce the law regardless of politics. I do not believe that has been what is happening the last two years. Among other things, I believe you very much want to indict Donald J. Trump. Toward that end, the Department of Justice has leaked that DOJ is investigating and intends to indict Hunter Biden. Uh-oh, uh-oh, here we go, here we go. The purpose of those leaks, I believe, was to set the predicate for an indictment of Trump, to say, look how even-handed we are. We're indicting a Biden, we're indicting a Trump. Those leaks are not law or enforcing the law, they are politics. Did, did you know about the leaks, about the Hunter Biden investigation? I, I don't know about the leak that you're talking about. Um, and um, I, I'm not, uh, it, leaks are in violation of our, our regulations and our requirements. So uh, the answer but is... The leaks are consistently on one side of the aisle advancing one political agenda. As you know, the FBI raided Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home. And subsequent to that raid, there have been multiple leaks about what was discovered there, including a photograph of documents that were discovered there. Did, did you know about the leaks the from photo, that raid? The photograph was a filing in court in response to a motion filed by Mr. Trump. It was not a leak. So, so you're testifying there haven't been leaks about the, the Trump raid? Investigation? I'm, I'm responding to the point about the Do you fault? know about the leaks that have occurred concerning Trump? I've read Trump. the leaks. They are inappropriate. We also don't know where they come from. Uh, witnesses on the... Um, but what's uh, interesting is when the shoe was on the other foot, I believe your intention, and I believe it's a political intention to indict President Trump, became infinitely harder when classified documents were discovered repeatedly at President Biden's multiple residences. Uh, according to the public record, those were first discovered on November 2nd, six days before the prior election. Department of Justice was notified on November 4th, and yet miraculously there was no leak 
about the classified documents at President Biden's home when it politically benefited the effort to go after and charge Donald Trump, DOJ leaked. When it potentially harmed the Democrat president, DOJ did not leak. Does that strike you as as at all a double, double standard? Leaks under all circumstances are inappropriate, and they were not directed by anyone in the Justice well, Department. Let me say in particular on Hunter Biden... I very much hope that an investigation of Hunter Biden is focused not just on his own personal substance abuse issues, but on connections to his father and potential corruption. That is the matter of public concern and why people are concerned. It was striking that the leak that came out from DOJ suggested this is just going after some poor poor person struggling with drugs instead of looking at the very real evidence of corruption Will you commit that the investigation will actually examine the public corruption aspect and not simply scapegoat Hunter Biden as an individual? I can't comment about the investigation other than to say that all the matters involving Mr. Hunter Biden are in the purview of the U.S. attorney in Delaware. It's not restricted in his investigation in any way. Well, you don't comment here, but then you leak at the same time. Yeah, he does. You don't comment here, but then you leak at the same time. Ted Cruz on the warpath, bro. That's on, that's on the for reals. Okay? Josh Hawley's second go-round. Hold on to something. Attorney General Garland, you said in our last exchange that it's your practice to defer to FBI agents in the field when it comes to investigations, apprehensions of subjects. Um, I was interested, given your answer, to read in this morning's Washington Post that the FBI is saying that you overruled them when it came to raiding ex-President Trump's personal residence. Washington Post reports this morning, showdown before the raid, that senior FBI officials who would be in charge of leading the search resisted doing so as too combative and proposed instead to seek Trump's permission to search his property. These field agents wanted to shutter the criminal investigation altogether in early June, the Post reports, but they were overruled by Maine DOJ. I told you, didn't I? So I guess in light of your earlier testimony just this morning, my question is, how often do you overrule FBI field agents for political purposes? I've skimmed that article. It is not. That's not an accurate reflection of what the article says, and I'm not able to comment on the investigation. Um, my comment earlier was about tactics uh, on the ground in particular cases. Wait, 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 wait. You said it's not. An, I'm, I'm reading to you from the article. Quote, Senior FBI officials who would be in charge of leading the search resisted the plan as too combative and proposed instead to seek Trump's permission to seek his property, according to four people who spoke on condition of anonymity to describe a sensitive investigation, In quote. Again, I have to say I'm not able to uh, uh, describe the investigation. I will say as a general matter and at a high level of, uh, of generality that in my experience, long experience as a prosecutor, there is often a robust discussion and in the end, and it's encouraged among investigators and prosecutors. Attorney General, my time is very, made. My, yes, and you made the decision. I did. That's right. Not, you said you did. No, I'm sorry. What I said was I approved the decision. So you didn't make the decision I to appro- rape? 
I approve the decision to seek a search warrant after probable cause was overruling the FBI agents who did not want to do so. Did you talk about this at the White House? The memorandum does not uh, that um, uh, Washington Post article does not say what you're saying. I'm sorry. And I'm not able to describe this in any further. Uh, Well, I I think given that, Mr. Chairman, I'll just ask that this entire article be entered into the record. Without objection. And we can read for ourselves. I invite people to go and look. It says exactly that FBI field agents did not want to conduct the raid, and they were overruled by DOJ. So it doesn't seem to me, Attorney General, that the FBI has a lot of confidence in you. Because what they're doing, clearly, is trying to distance themselves from your decisions. They're out there leaking left, right, and center and saying, it wasn't us. We didn't want to do it. He made us do it. What's that say about their confidence in your leadership? No, the previous senator said that they're leaking all in favor of the left. Now you're saying they're leaking all in favor of I'm the asking right. you my question. Answer my question based on this evidence. Don't dissemble, Attorney General. Time has expired. Answer my question. Time has expired, Senator Cotton. So at that point, instead of the chairman, Dick Durbin, saying you can go ahead and answer the question, um, he just hands it over to Tom Cotton, and so there is no answer. But Josh Hawley on the warpath. Okay, let's see what Tom Cotton has. The guy that voted hundreds of millions of more dollars for this attorney general who he thinks is doing such a bad job. Mr. Attorney General, I want to return to the illegal protest outside of Supreme Court justices' homes last summer. Um, it, it's plainly unlawful to protest outside of a judge's home to influence the outcome of a pending case. You testified earlier that, as far as you know, no charges have been brought against those protesters. But you never really explained why. Why have no charges been brought against those protesters? The decision about make, uh, making arrests is left to the marshals on scene. Their principal... Marshals pro- are... Marshals are law enforcement officials. They're not prosecutors. I did not say arrests. I said charges. These people were not criminal masterminds. They posted videos of themselves on their social media accounts. They advertised the protests in advance. It is possible to arrest someone for an offense after the offense has occurred, has it not? It is. And we're Why al- did you not send anyone to arrest those protesters in the days after the protests? We're allocating our resources towards protecting the lives of the justices and their, um, um, and, and their families. Oh, irony. How sweet is your name? Tom Cotton, one of 18 Republican United States senators, to give this guy hundreds of millions more dollars, boosting their annual budget. And the attorney general, knowing that, says, well, you know, we got to allocate our resources as if there's some kind of shortage of money to do what they need to do. The irony here is so thick you could cut it with a knife. Uh, decisions have to be made on the ground as to what is the best way to protect those lives. Mr. Attorney General, do you, do you not think that it would perhaps provide a deterrent effect if you arrested some of these criminal protesters and charged them and threw them in federal prison? We are trying to protect the lives of the justices. That is our principal priority. Yeah, I'm not, I'm and not I'm saying... leaving it to the marshal service to make determinations on the ground. They have to make determinations about what they see on the ground. Look, consider the efforts your department has put into tracking down everyone who is even on the Capitol grounds on January 6, 2021. You've dedicated million of man hours to study videotape, to do forensic analysis of computers and devices to go knock and conduct interviews. You you can't allocate just a few agents 
to look at people's social media account to say they were president outside of a justice home, we're going to go arrest them and charge them? It's a black letter violation of the law. Our priority is violence and threats of violence and protection of the lives of the justices, and that's what we're doing. He's lying. The overwhelming majority of people, they have charged with crimes on January 6th to the Capitol, committed no violence. He's lying. Again, these are not criminal masterminds. They posted pictures and videos of themselves protesting. You could probably go arrest one today from a cold start. Why can't you do that? I'm saying again, our purpose is to protect the lives and safety of the justices. That's how we're allocating resources. You sent the FBI, as several senators pointed out, to do an early morning raid on Mark Houck's home in front of his children for the grave crime of singing hymns and saying prayers outside of a abortion clinic, charges of which he was acquitted by a jury of his peers. Yeah, yeah, but Tom, they have limited resources they have to allocate. You probably ought to vote a few more hundred million, and maybe you could, you know, go arrest some of these people that have been breaking federal law, protesting in front of uh, Supreme Court Justice Holmes. In an hour. You can't send the FBI to track down anybody who is protesting outside the home of a Supreme Court justice. And I want to be clear, our purpose here is to protect the lives and safety of the justices. That's why we're doing that. The answer is that you are sympathetic to the protesters, that you didn't like the decision the justices were about to issue. I think we all know what you would do if a bunch of conservative protesters were outside the home of a Democratic-appointed justice to the Supreme Court. No one has ever been arrested under that statute. It's a simple black-letter legal violation. You will not send a single agent to conduct a single arrest and charge them on something that they have zero defense for. It's because you're sympathetic to left-wing protesters. Well, I I, I think uh, Tom Cotton is absolutely correct there. I just wish he hadn't made it easier for this guy to uh, subvert the cause of justice by giving him so much more money. It's a crying shame. Dr. Marty McCary, now that it's come out, now that the uh, federal government's saying, you know, actually... Maybe uh, maybe the China virus did start in the lab. Maybe it wasn't the wet market. Boy, the libs jumped all over Tom Cotton when he suggested that in early 2020. By the way, you know why they're saying this, right? Regardless of the fact that China owns... Joe Biden, now that China is helping out uh, Russia in the war against Ukraine, all of a sudden they're like, okay, well, then we can say some bad things about China then. Dr. Marty McCary, who's been raising the alarm bells about the vaccine and about the truth about the Wu flu for several years now, said this. The greatest perpetrator of misinformation during the pandemic has been the United States government. Misinformation that COVID was spread through surface transmission, that vaccinated immunity was far greater than natural immunity, that masks were effective. Now we have the definitive Cochrane review. What do you do with that review? Cochrane is the most authoritative 
evidence body in all of medicine and has been for decades. Do you just ignore it, not talk about it? That myocarditis was more common after the infection than the vaccine. Not true. It's four to 28 times more common after the the vaccine. The young people benefit from a booster. Misinformation. Our two top experts on vaccines quit the FDA in protest over this particular issue, pushing boosters in young, healthy people. The data was never there. That's why the CDC never disclosed hospitalization rates among boosted Americans under age 50. The vaccine mandates would increase vaccination rates. The George Mason University study shows it didn't. It did one thing. It created never-vaxxers who are now not getting the childhood vaccines they need to get. Over and over again, we've seen something that goes far beyond using your best judgment with the information at hand. We've seen something which is unforgivable, and that is the weaponization of medical research itself. The CDC putting out their own shoddy studies, like their own study on natural immunity, looking at one state for two months, when they had data for years on all 50 states. Why did they only report that one sliver of data? Why did they salami slice the giant database? Because it gave them the result they wanted. Same with masking study. Well, the data has now caught up in giant systematic reviews, and the public health officials were intellectually dishonest. They lied to the American people. Thank you. I've been telling you, they're lying to you. They're still lying to you. Dr. McCary is absolutely correct on that. Now, Joe Biden is also lying to you. Did you hear what he just said? He told a real strange story about a nurse. I guess this is when he was in a Walter Reed Army Hospital. Uh, years ago because he had an aneurysm. The great Robert Spencer wrote about this over PJ Media. Here's Biden. And Pearl Nelson, military. She came in and do things that I don't think you learn in medical school, nursing school. She'd whisper in my ear. I didn't, couldn't understand him. She'd whisper and she'd lean down. She'd actually breathe on me to make sure that I was a, there was a connection, a human connection. She went home and brought back her pillow. Went home and brought back her pillow. Robert Spencer, new article at PJ Media entitled, Old Joe Biden Has Never Told a Weirder Story Than This One. Somebody pointed out, and I think maybe Robert Spencer might have said it in the article, this is not the first time Biden has told this lie. Go back to the summer of 2020, almost three years ago. And I had a nurse at, at uh, nurses at uh, Walter Reed Hospital who would bend down and whisper in my ear wow. and go home and get me pillows. They would make sure they'd actually probably nothing ever taught in uh, you can't do it in the COVID time, but they'd actually breathe in my nostrils to make me move to get get me moving. He's lying. You know how I know he's lying. Because all of his anecdotes, they're always lies. He makes up all of them. You think there was actually a a head of a gang when Biden was like high school, college age, 
We went by corn pop. No, none of that stuff. He said that he uh, grew up pretty much in the black church, and you see him in a black church, and everybody's worshiping and and clapping along and everything. He looks completely out of place, like he's never been in a black church. The black church in Wilmington, Delaware, they're like, no, we never saw him, the one he had referred to. He said that uh, he probably went to shul, went to a Jewish religious services, a temple, more than the Jews did. He's like, not a joke. No, he didn't. You know, I always thought Bill Clinton was one of the most remarkable and skillful liars I'd ever seen operate. And then it's like Obama kind of took it to the next level. But Biden, he tops them all. Amazing. Just absolutely amazing. All right, I think it's time. Hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by Red River Auto, the big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom. You buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. Today's tweet of the day is from the great James O'Keefe, founder of the organization that just fired him, Project Veritas. This is uh, this dropped 5 p.m. Central, March 1st, 2023. He said Andrew Breitbart died 11 years ago today. And he has pictures of himself with Breitbart. He says, Andrew told me, James, people are going to say and claim whatever to try to take us out. They have an irrational fear of us. They want us on a leash. We're not going to be on a leash. They want us to dance. We're not going to dance with them. Amen. I never met Andrew Breitbart, but I did interview him on the phone when his book came out. And I did talk to him off the air a couple of times on the phone. And even though I never met him personally, when he passed away, March 1st, 2012, I felt like I lost a friend. You've been listening to episode 355 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. If you have any questions for us, please email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smooth Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. Senior Vice President, Engineering, IT, and Interoperability for the Doc Washburn Show. Well, that's the way it is. Wednesday, March 1st, 2023.